edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. The case that we're going to be looking at today is part of a number of conjoined appeals that all relate to the 2008 financial crisis, and in particular the collapse of Lehman Brothers in September of that year. That's why the title of this episode is simply called The Lehman Brothers Case, and the citation from the Supreme Court is 2017 UKSC 38. And the size of the group of companies under the Lehman Brothers name, as well as the complicated way in which they were organised, means that there were a number of legal issues and questions that had to be resolved as part of the process. The main company at the centre of this is Lehman Brothers International Europe, or LBIE, and this is an unlimited company meaning they are potentially liable for all of their debt. The two shareholders are LB Holdings Intermediate 2 Limited and Lehman Brothers Limited. Once a company like LBIE goes into administration, it is necessary to make distributions to creditors, and this began in December of 2009. It is worth bearing in mind that the relevant legislation in this case, the Insolvency Act and the Insolvency Regulations, are both from the year 1986, and while they have been amended since that time, there is a legitimate question as to whether they are still fit for purpose in their current form. This is arguably why there were seven issues that eventually had to be decided upon by the Supreme Court. We will go through these in turn, and as we progress, we will also cover the decision that the five justices came to regarding these questions. The first issue that came up related to the order in which people get paid. When the distribution takes place, some creditors have a higher priority than others, and ensuring that they get paid in the right order is an important part of the administration process. For example, LB Holdings Intermediate 2 are themselves a creditor for the purposes of these proceedings, as they made three loans to LBIE. These loans were subordinated, meaning that they have a low ranking in terms of the priority of the distribution, but the question was whether the payment should still rank above statutory interest and non-provable liabilities. The argument was that such liabilities are not part of LBIE's insolvency obligations, but this was rejected by the Supreme Court. Although it is not possible to be sued on the statutory interest, it still represents an obligation. Meanwhile, non-provable liabilities are accounted for within the Insolvency Act 1986. The second issue concerned debts that are denominated in a foreign currency, and in particular the relevant exchange rate that should be used. The creditors are entitled under Rule 2.86 of the Insolvency Rules, to the exchange rate on the date that the company went into administration. But the reality is that between that date and the date of payment, the pound will have depreciated in value. The argument follows that the creditors should be entitled to any shortfall as a non-provable claim in the administration proceedings. The Supreme Court, however, disagreed with this, and finds that Rule 2.86 represents the full extent of the liability and so there is no way to claim the difference as a non-provable debt. To find otherwise would be to give an unfair advantage to those who have their debts denominated in a foreign currency. Lord Clark dissented on this point and suggests that by arriving at this conclusion, the Supreme Court has actually only served to give advantage to the company that is in debt over the creditors who should be paid the money that they are owed. The third issue comes back again to statutory interest and asks whether a creditor who is owed statutory interest but had not been paid it could make a claim for it in a subsequent liquidation, 
that takes place after the administration. In response to this, the Supreme Court notes that Section 189.2 of the Insolvency Act 1986, alongside Rule 4.93 of the Insolvency Rules, does not allow for interest to be paid once a company that was in administration has been put into liquidation. While this is arguably a gap in the law, it is not up to judges to fill this gap themselves when there is substantive legislation on the subject. All of the final points dealt with the unusual fact that we are dealing with an unlimited company whose members, as we mentioned earlier, are potentially liable for the debts under Section 74 of the Insolvency Act 1986. For example, the fourth question was whether contributions should be made from members in respect of the statutory interest and non-provable liabilities of LBIE. At this point, the Supreme Court did make an important distinction. While the definition of the liabilities under Section 74 are fairly broad, and can even include those liabilities that are non-provable, statutory interest is only payable where there is a surplus after the other debts have been satisfied. Section 74 cannot be used in such a way as to essentially create a surplus from which statutory interest can be paid. The final three problems for the Supreme Court revolved around the fact that LB Holdings Intermediate 2 Limited and Lehman Brothers Limited are both creditors and liable members at the same time. Furthermore, they are also going through their own administration processes, and so the fifth question is whether they can both be expected to contribute during the prospective liquidation of LBIE under Section 150 of the Insolvency Act 1986. The answer of the Supreme Court is that they can be called upon to contribute as this is part of the statutory obligation under Section 150. While this presents an unusual circumstance, the reality is that the other companies are not yet themselves in liquidation, and so their liability cannot be ignored. This links in with Issue 6 that asked whether the liabilities could be set off, and in accordance to what we've already said in relation to Issue 5, it is not possible to do so. The final question that ties much of this together is whether LBIE could invoke something called the contributory rule. And this rule states that in situations like this where there are creditors who are also liable for the debts of a company, then they cannot assume the role as creditors until they have discharged the debts that they owe. In general, this rule makes a lot of sense as it would be unfair for someone to benefit from a company going under when they themselves are in debt as a result. The Supreme Court agreed with this and stated that this is exactly the sort of situation where the contributory rule would be expected to apply, given that the other companies involved are also known to be insolvent. In conclusion, it's hard to believe that the financial crisis that rocked the global economy happened almost a decade ago now, yet we're still feeling the repercussions not only in illegal cases such as this, but also in terms of the actual laws and policies that were developed in response. For some, that response has been heavy-handed, while for others it has not gone far enough. One thing that most sides can agree on is that Lehman Brothers was a firm that was poorly managed and focused on short-term greed at the expense of longer-term success and stability. That is why it is gratifying that the insolvency process has not been an easy ride for the group. If they had been able to avoid certain liabilities because of the way that the companies were structured, it would not have served as a sufficient warning for other groups in the future. 
This is not a question of being vindictive or punishing a single company for the sake of it, but instead ensuring that Lehman Brothers is held fully accountable for its poor financial planning and role in the meltdown. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. As ever, make sure to check out the website at uklawweekly.com, and also, if you get a chance, make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That's always very much appreciated. Well, I look forward to speaking to you next week again with another episode. Um, but in the meantime, bye! bye.